0: Take your Bible, if you can, or your phone, or however you want to get to it, or just listen, and you'll get to it. This, this passage of Psalm 126, 1 through 3, this passage, has a sentimental value to me. Has a sentimental value. I, I became the senior pastor at Gospel Baptist Church in 1992. We had an attendance of about 50, 60 people, average. Our budget was about $80,000 total. And I didn't really feel like I could be a pastor. When God called me to do this, I felt like I'd probably preach everything I knew within a year and have to step down and have somebody else that knew the Bible better pick it up. And that's true. I didn't think after a year. Remember, I was preaching five times a week. Five times a week. Five sermons a week. Five messages a week. It it, it eats up a lot of Bible. And so I thought about, you know, five times times 52 weeks, 250. That's about it. That's all I know. I don't know anything else. So I'd go to God and say, God, I'll do what you want me to do. He called me to do this. I said, I'll do it. I was in real estate, I had a broker's license and an appraiser's license and I told my wife I had to do what Elijah did, I sent the licenses back. I sent both the licenses back, they were hard to get, I sent them back, I said I don't want them. I had to burn a plow, kill the oxen. I said I'm not going to, there's no plan B, I just want to do what you want me to do. I'll fail spectacularly but Lord, I'm going to fail if you don't help me. And I kept that prayer up. You know, if you don't give me something this week, I got nothing. I'm going to get up in front of those folks and say, I don't have anything from God. I said, that's not going to go over very well. And uh, I I, I, I did that again today. 30 years later. As a senior pastor. And so, it's amazing how God supplies Psalm 126 1 through 3 was uh, we, when, we, when the first early years in the early 90s we would reach a goal. I said if we reach if we reach 300 in va- vacation Bible school, if we reach 350 people in vacation Bible school. I'll shave my head. I'll look like Tom Gillespie. And we and we reached 350 and I shaved my head right 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 about in that area right there. My son felt so bad for me. He said, Dad. He said, I don't want you to have your head shaved alone. I'll have my head shaved too. And Troy liked his hair pretty heavily. I said, no, you don't have to do that, son. He said, I want to do it. And then somebody else felt bad for me, and he said, I'll get my head shaved also. So three of us got our head shaved in front of those kids, in front of the kids. And you know, the first one was we wanted to make sure. And I had pretty long hair back then. For the first one, you go right down the middle. And uh, then... I never felt, I felt what a dog feels like when they get shaved. Have you ever shaved a dog? They'll put their tail between their legs and they'll go lay in the corner. That's what I felt like when I got my head shaved, I'm telling you. I felt like I was ashamed to be outside. First of all, I could feel wind. I never felt wind on my scalp. You don't feel, your hair keeps that from happening. And the wind went by and I went, what's that? That's a brand new feeling. I went and got a hat, man. I got really in love with that hat. And uh, and anyway, uh, we reached three. When I, I, before that 350 for VBS, I said, if we reach 300 people in the main service, I'll preach from the roof. There was no main auditorium. There was no auditorium. There was just a playground behind this building. And so I said, I'll preach from the roof, and we'll set the chairs up in the playground. And then sure enough, we reached that goal. And. And this is ser- the sermon that I preached from the roof. I think I've got the date on this. I think I preached yeah. it out. This was uh, February 26, 1995. February 26, 1995. There's a picture of it right there. And so, uh, and the whole time I preached, there was a vulture circling over the top of my <laughs> And somebody, somebody mentioned that. Is that an omen? I said, Yes, I'm gonna die. When the Lord turned again the captivity of Zion, we were like them to dream. We were like them to dream. One beautiful thing about reading the Old Testament through over and over again is you kind of get the feeling of the children of Israel. The disappointment that they felt. As they failed and God had to judge them. And disperse them. And humble them. Humble them. The blessed city Jerusalem the temple was turned into a dung heap. That's where everybody in the morning would take their dung and go dump it where the temple of Jehovah was. That's, that's what God did. Because they wouldn't honor Him. They wouldn't obey Him. They just wouldn't listen. He said, I sent my prophets early, rising early and sending. But you didn't, wouldn't obey. I preached on Ezekiel 33, 32 just the other day. Uh, they they were set and listen to the prophet preach as if they were his people but they wouldn't do what the prophet said to do. They listened to him like it was a very beautiful song with somebody who had a beautiful voice who could play an instrument well, but they wouldn't do what the guy said. God's a whole lot more, he's not interested in the, in the uh, hoopla. He's interested in your obedience. Your honest heart, having a heart for God. And obeying in secret when nobody else can see. And it wouldn't make any difference, as far as you know, it wouldn't make any difference if you did or didn't obey. Of course, it does make a difference with God. But eventually, God told him through Jeremiah that after 70 years of captivity, that is the tribes of Judah and Benjamin, you're going to be released to go back to the city of Jerusalem and through Nehemiah, Ezra, Haggai, and some others, rebuild the city. Nothing like it was. Rebuild the temple. When they rebuilt the temple, the old men cried and the young men laughed. Because it was just a, a smidgen of what the big one was, what the original one was by Solomon. And so, but they had a temple, and they resumed sacrifice, and resumed worship of Jehovah. Some 43, some odd thousand of them went back. And their captivity is what it's talking about here. And The Lord turned again the captivity of Zion. He released them out of their captivity. He said, we were like them that dreamed. Seventy years is a long time to hope for something. It's a long time to hope for something. Then was our mouth filled with laughter and our tongue was singing. Then said they among the heathen, the Lord had done great things for them. Even the heathen noticed it and said, man, God's doing something for them. The Lord had done great things for us, whereof we're glad. We're glad. Tonight I want to talk about some things we're glad about. I'm going to have to shorten it down a little bit from what I originally did, of course. If the Lord turned this captivity. It was the Lord who turned the captivity of Zion. That's the first point I want to make. We're part of his plan. We're part of his kingdom. We're the hands and the eyes and the feet of God. But it's God that has to do it. Jesus said, and I never." I've often repeated this to him. He said, I will build my church. And the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Yes, we do bus ministry. Yes, we do door to door. Yes, we do missions. But it's God that makes it prosper. It has to be God that make it prosper. It's the Lord that turned again the captivity of Zion. It's the Lord, uh, not Moses. There Israel out of Egypt after 430 years of cruel bondage. It was the Lord who delivered Israel, not Deborah, from Jabin and the Canaanites after 20 years. It was the Lord who delivered Israel, not Gideon, from the Midianites after seven years of servitude. It was the Lord that delivered Israel, not, not Jephthah, from the Philistines and the Amorites after 18 years of oppression. It was the Lord that delivered Israel, not Cyrus, Out of the Medes and Persians, allowed them to go back to, to to rebuild their city. There was nothing. There was nothing compared to captivity. That let me say it this way. You are only as happy about being released as you are aware about being a captive. I read stories of uh, prisoners of war. Vietnam especially was treated so badly. Those guys were treated so... But worse even than that was the uh, people that Japan captured. Uh, Japan was so merciless to our American soldiers when they captured them, and to anybody, by the way, anybody, the Chinese or anybody they captured. They were just horrible to them. Just They didn't just... They didn't just physically torment them; they emotionally tormented them. They humbled them beyond belief, and then would kill them anyway. Just horrible. But the few people that were able to survive that captivity—woo wee—it was big. You remember that? Well, the Iran captured some some of our people. It was about two hundred and forty of our folks. And uh, they were they were captive, and, and one, we wondered what was going to happen to them, and they were humble. And when they got set free, that was a big day for every one of them. They'll never forget it. They're, Brother, never forget what you've been set free from. Don't minimize. Don't minimize your salvation. I was raised in a Christian home. You're still a wicked, vile sinner on your way to hell. What do you mean, Pastor? Well, uh, uh, there's almost nobody hadn't broken all the Ten Commandments. We got we got to get a great got to get a grip on this because it'll help us to have a, a sense of gratitude that'll push us forward in the Christian life, toward the heathen will look at us and say, "Man, God's done great things for you." That's what we said about them when they got when they got taken back to the land and they were able to rebuild the temple and the walls under Nehemiah and Ezra and Haggai, and, and they were able to do that, and God did it. It was miraculous with the, with the help of, of Cyrus and, and, and people in the government paying for some of it even. It was like, we, he says, we knew what it was to be nothing, to be owned by people, to have all of our labor and our money go to somebody else. That We we had nothing and owned nothing. We were somebody's property. And then Jesus, not, not Jesus Christ, but Jehovah God set us free. We're owned by somebody. We're of our father, the devil. The lust of our father, you'll do. He was a murderer from the beginning, a bold not the truth. When he speaks of the lies, speaking of his own. He's a liar and a father of it. That's what Jesus told them. In John chapter 8, verse 44. I bet that insulted them Pharisees. Boy, there's nothing wrong with a good dose of gratitude. Boy, it'll help us overcome the pooch-lip syndrome. You know what I mean by the pooch-lip syndrome? That's what we're going about. Oh, nothing's going right for me. Everybody hates me. I don't have any friends. Not acting that way, you won't. if you go around with a sense of gratitude, you'll have friends. You'll end up having friends. Because people are going to want to be around grateful people. You want to be around some complainer. You want to be around somebody that always sees the dark side of everything. I don't. That's a downer, man. I want to be around somebody that's upset. I like Jim McCollum because one really loved Jim McCollum, loved to be around Jim McCollum. Jim McCollum was just up. He was up. He knew what he got saved from. He ran a bus manager. retired, by the way. You people retired. He retired like 42 years old. As far as I know, never went back to work officially to make money but he could make more money by accident than most people did trying I'm serious about that he just had to bite his touch the man made more money messing around he didn't have to go back to official job he never did but it, but he here's what here's what you asked him to come, if he was here tonight he said my number one job is to get bus bus kids saved get moms and dads of those bus kids with the gospel get out there in a the bus and get the boys and girls and and I know sometimes it was, you know, the bus ministry is up-and-down type ministry. The bus ministry, you constantly got to resuscitate it because it it's always wanting to die, not live. I tell the bus people, this ministry wants to die, not live. But it's a great ministry. Go out there and get boys and girls and men and women, ladies, give them the gospel. At least give them, the, At least give them a chance to get saved. Who else is doing it? When the Lord turned again the captivity of Zion, we were like them that dream. It was like a dream. Have you ever dreamt something that was so good and then you woke up? I had a dream the other day. I can't tell it. I'm not going to be able to tell it. It was too good. Too good. I woke up one true. But I told my wife, it will be someday. It will be someday. Oh, it's good to be saved. Our mouths filled with laughter. Tongue was singing. Want to break out in a song. The heathen will say, man, God's done great things for you. And we'll say about ourselves, the Lord's done great things for us. But those Vietnam prisoners and those prisoners of the Japanese and German and various people that went through that, they knew what they got saved from. They knew what they got rescued from. My dad made it through World War II without a scratch. He never, I, and I was around my dad a lot. He, he was a, he was one of my, my dad really was one of my best friends. He was my best friend, actually. But he treated me like I was his friend. He would take me stuff, showed us all kinds of adventure. And Stuff he was a real adventuresome type of a guy, but I never heard him complain. My mother went wow, 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 that was a weakness she had, but but my dad would never let that happen, he would not do it. He'd say, No, well, she didn't hear to complain, She, not, but and when I get to heaven, she won't care. So, but she she would say that she would say, You know, when business turned down, had a recession, she'd tell her, Oh, we're gonna go bankrupt, man. She always looking at the dark side of that thing, he'd say, No. It's going to be all right. You know, he had managed it through World War II. When you managed it through World War II without a scratch after, eight and a half, after a year and a half on the island, what could hurt you? Listen, you've been saved from hell. What can hurt you? You may be sick or crippled this this life, or you may have trouble this life, but ultimately, it's not going to hurt you. You're going to be free. You are free. Positionally, for sure, are already free. Boy, oh, boy, oh, boy, i got to quit there. So let's go into some of this. By the way, I should have had that displayed, right? So what great things has God done for us? What great things has God done for us? I list 12 of them. I list 12 of them. First of all, you got to list this. This This should be always number one. He's given us a new birth. Being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. 1 Peter 1.23. We have a new nature. In Romans 12.2 it says, Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. It's called the three wills of God. If you don't do the... uh, if you don't do the good, then he'll allow the acceptable to happen in your life, and he won't let the acceptable to happen. In your, acceptable, he'll he'll do the whole or complete will. And basically, he'll just keep helping you to to live for him. We got a new nature. Romans, First Corinthians, six, nineteen. What? Know you not your body is a temple of the Holy Ghost, which which is in you. I I, I was listening to John today, and he said. Jesus said, I'm not gonna leave you comfortless. I just kind of I just kind of chewed on that. Some people chew chewing tobacco. I chew the Bible. It reminds me of the way people do chewing tobacco. They kind of put it in the old side of their mouth over here, you know, and they kind of just let it stay there a while and it kind of just. And I get I get that that statement. He says, I'm not gonna leave you comfortless. And I sat there and I put it over in the side of my cheek. And I went around and pfft. That's good. Man, God, that's good. I'm not going to leave you comfortless. And God's not leaving you comfortless. It's a promise. He keeps these promises. You're not going to be left comfortless. Oh, what's going to happen in the future? I don't know. But you'll not be left comfortless. The Holy Spirit, Holy Ghost is going to be with you. According to John 14, I believe it was 16. Never going to be taken away from you. Not here or heaven. So you've got a new nature. Ooh, I got to keep moving. I got a bunch of these new values. The natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God for their foolishness unto him, neither can he know them because they're spiritually discerned. But when we get saved, old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. That's in the era sense. Things passed away as an act of the past. Behold, all things become new in the future. We got a new value system. We got a new book. Of course, you can spend some time on that. The Word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to dividing a soul and spirit and joints and marrow, as a discerner of thoughts and intents of the heart. Hebrews four twelve. The Lord has done great things for us in which we are glad. I need some Kleenex. There should be some here, and there should be some there. Oh, there is some over there. You say, I've had people come to me and say, thank you for the Kleenex, Preacher Bill. Well, it's, Preacher Bill made sure they got everywhere. Because I need them. I need them. Anyways, there neither is there any creatures not made manifest in his sight, but all things are naked and open unto the eyes of him of whom we have to do. I got a new family. You're my family. Jesus' family, he was he was healing somebody's preaching and they showed up and they said, your, your, you know, your mom's here and her family. He says, he said, He that does the will of God is my brother, sister, mother. You you people are as much family as I ever had. Maybe better than some of my family for sure. We got a new family. I'm so glad I'm a part of the family of God. Sometimes you may want to sing, I'm so glad I'm apart from the family of God. No, you don't want to sing. I'm I'm so glad I'm a part of the family of God. It's It's a good family. I have a new what? Yeah, I got a new wife. I dated a girl. Her name was Kathy Moore. And then she got saved. And I got a new woman. She's blessed me rather than bug me. She's helped me rather than hurt me. She builds me rather than tears me down. I I, I have to say this. The old one may have looked better, but was a lot meaner. The one I got now, she's sweet. She's sweet. She's born from above. I got a new woman. I got a new look. (laughs) <laughs> I got a new look, all right. I got a new look. Not as a world. Not sensual, not bitter, not selfish, not angry, not fearful. But confidently hoping hoping in the in the grace of God. I got a new home. This just gets better, by the way. Which is heaven. Hebrews 10, 34 says, For ye have compassion of me and my bonds, and took joyfully the spoiling of your goods knowing in yourselves that you have in heaven a better and enduring substance. The hurricane is a teacher sent by God. What does it teach us? In one night, all your sweet stuff, can be gone. Amen. I remember the hurricane. I can't remember which one. You, these, these folks say lives in a fish wheel back here, and you were worried about it blowing over. I know. I, was that this last storm? You were worried about the thing blowing over. And praise the Lord, she went over there. It was all stood up, no problem. That thing went through that storm. It had, it had a hedge about it, didn't it? It did. Had a hedge about it no damage to it, no no flood in this side of 41. No flood. My my suggestion would be build this side of 41. Now if it's only once in 150 years, don't worry about it. But if it's next year, you may want to build on this side. But a new home, I got a new home in heaven. You know John 14, everybody quotes, I go to prepare a place for you. I don't think my home's finished yet because I haven't been called up. When you're, I think when your home gets done, your number's up and you get to go. Time for you to go. You know, we can't imagine. If I have not seen, neither has ear heard, neither is imagined in the heart of man what God prepared for them that love him, you really don't know. It's, it's You can't put your mind around that. Not the God we serve. Not the God that made the Milky Way. Not the God that made all that stuff that Hubble looks at. The God that made all that, he just got imagination way bigger than you and me. And you say, Well, I want what if I get, well, I want this room to be don't worry about all that stuff. You don't want room this color, I want this. No, stop. He's gonna do you, woo, he's gonna knock your socks off. You got a new body, praise the Lord. I got a new life. Philippians 3.21. 21, who shall change our vile body that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body, according to the working whereby he is able even to subdue all things unto himself. We get a new body. I don't know about you, but mine's wearing out. I had two doctor's appointments today. You know you're old when you, when you got five doctors. You know you're really old when you got ten doctors. And you, and you can remember where they're at. But, uh, man, I'll tell you what. You go to these doctors, you know, and they ask you about, have you fallen in the last year? I'm going to give you three words and at the end of our conversation I'm going to ask you to give me those same three words back. I want to get up and smack the guy. I say I'm going to threaten you at the end of this I'm going to hit you. And at the end you can't remember what you were going to do so you just leave. You, can, I got a, you know you got a 30 year old doctor trying to help you. I, it's okay. It's all right. New body, these are all these are all solid Bible. We got a new country. Hebrews eleven sixteen says, but now they desire a better country. Ooh. We need a better country. That is a heavenly, wherefore God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he hath prepared for them a new city. We have a city we're gonna dwell in, the new Jerusalem. I, I regularly go over the places in the Bible, both in Ezekiel as well as Revelation, to describe the new city. Now, I'm not a city boy. I'm a country boy. I don't like cities. I don't like it when you get too many people kind of stacked up on each other. I like to be able to shoot at my house. I like to be able to do, you know, that you can't do in a city. I like to be able to burn my trash or burn my trees or burn anything I want to burn. I like to have chickens without people complaining about it. I think it was, uh, was it Davy Crockett, Pat Pat Boone? Just seeing if you're there. (laughs) Pat Boone. (laughs) Davy Crockett. Who was the guy that said, when I see the smoke in my neighbor's chimney, we're living too close? Does anybody know who said that? Come on. Some of you live with that. <laughs> I'm glad I didn't hear that okay a new city, and then a new comfort, which I mentioned before. Um, I like the song. Don't think of me poor or deserted or lonely. I'm not discouraged. I'm heaven bound. I'm just a pilgrim in search of a city. I want a mansion, a harp, and a crown. We have a new comfort. Blessed be the God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, 2 Corinthians 1.3, the Father of mercies, and the God of all comfort. That's his reputation. say, what's God's reputation? Now, remember, the devil slanders him, slanders God. Oh, my goodness, his job, one of his main jobs is he slanders God, misrepresents God, Makes him out to be a uh, grouchy old man with a big stick. He's going to whack you down. But he is the God and the Father of all mercy. And the God of all comfort. Go over to God. He's He's trying to help us and comfort us and give us mercy. Sin, and what, we, what he's trying to help us stay away from, is self-destructive. It'd be like trying to stay stay away from polio or stay away from tuberculosis. Who wouldn't want to stay away from those things? That's what, he, that's what the, oh, the Bible, you know, wants me to quit smoking, drinking, cussing, acting. That's because those things are going to damage you and hurt you. Just like if I told you you need to stay away from tuberculosis, you need to stay away from polio. I mean, would that be unreasonable of me to say that about? If I knew that it was in a certain location. You'd want to stay away from it. You want to stay away from AIDS, right? I mean, AIDS, uh, HIV is is debilitating, horrible disease. I've, I've watched two people die of it, become skeletal, and die of HIV and eventually AIDS. It's one horrendously horrible way to go. And what kind of person would I be if I didn't warn somebody you want to stay away from that stuff? What would God be if he didn't warn us about sin and tell us to stay away from him? He's not trying to make your life miserable. He's trying to help you be comforted and have mercy. The devil's out there saying, well, the reason he doesn't want you to eat of that fruit is because he's holding back on you. He knows that when you eat of that fruit, you're going to be like him. You'll be no good and evil. You've never had a good time till you've had a sinful life, the devil says. He's a liar. And the father of it. Oh, when the Lord turned again the captivity of Zion, we were like them that dream. Then was our mouth filled with laughter, and our tongue was singing. Then said they among the heathen, the Lord hath done great things for them. The Lord hath done great things for us. Wherever we're glad. I preached the same, pretty much the same sermon on that roof up there. I didn't have a clue what was going to happen if I'd ever be able to finish another year out. And God has done great things for me, for sure, in mercy and grace. These are the things we're looking forward to, the great things God's done for us. I hope you get it. I think it was Bob Jones, the senior, said, when gratitude has died on the altar of a man's heart, he's well nigh hopeless. Don't you? What wrecks marriages, what wrecks friendships, Oftentimes, there's an attitude of ingratitude. If you have an attitude of gratitude, you're looking for the good. Man, I look at my wife. I'm not looking for the bad. I'm looking for the good. You know, if she smarts off to me, I don't think much about it. I think, oh, hey, you know, she do the dishes. But I, I don't get upset, girls. Don't do it. Don't do it. But, I mean, it's a, it's a trade-off, amen? People, people get negative about their preacher. They get negative about the deacons. They get negative about their church. Pretty soon, a church is doing the will of God, you know, 95%. Uh, they look at that 5% that maybe there's trouble, and they concentrate on that 5%. And they can't see any. Pretty soon, they can't see anything but that 5%, and they leave. And they go to another church that's got 20% problem. Because somehow they think the next one's going to be better. If there was a perfect church and you went to it, it wouldn't be. And so you carry it with you. And so if you're, by the grace of God, help us help us to have a mouthful of gratitude, mouth mouthful of thanksgiving, remembering the great things God has done for us when he saved us and birthed us into his family. And one more picture. How about two more pictures? That's the verse. That's the three verses. Those are at my house. Some of the most beautiful flowers I've ever laid eyes on. There are some. Wouldn't a dress be beautiful? In that yellow with that burgundy and that pink and all all those colors blended together. Wouldn't a dress look good on you girls? Wouldn't a dress, be a, wouldn't that be a knockout, head-turning dress to just be that color right there? Find one. That means the preacher told me to go shopping. Yes, he did. <laughs> just go for it. It's Christmas. Why not? I told my wife, find one of them. Find one of them. Put those colors together. Have some. Somebody surely has something. That is gorgeous. Absolutely gorgeous. Heavenly Father, thank you for tonight. Thank you for the Word of God. Thank you for the Bible. Thank you that the promises of God are true. Help us in Jesus' name. Amen. If you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website